Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, forward, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Rob Wolf, and welcome to episode number 28 of Unformidable, where we take a look at some of the less heralded myths in our beloved franchise's quirky history, as every player who dons the orange and blue is, in their own way, unformidable. So a lot of LDS madness going on in baseball this week, an exciting playoffs, of course, not Latter-day Saints, no worries on that front. But it's an exciting week of baseball, baseball to watch around the clock. And of course, it's a, been a great around. It's been very good to the New York Mets, uh, 4-0 in their history in the League Division Series. And we just passed the anniversary of the, as I saw on Twitter, thanks to Mets Rewind. Thank you very much. Shout out. The longest LDS game in history and time at least, 5 hours and 22 minutes, which of course the New York Mets participated in and won by the score of 3-2 to two on a dramatic walk-off home run by Benny Agbayani. Today we're going to look at a relief pitcher who played an unheralded but key role in making that wonderful moment in Mets history possible, one Rick White. Rick White was born in Springfield, Ohio on December 23, 1968, 
and drafted by the Pittsburgh Pirates in the 15th round of the 1990 June draft out of Eastern High School in Detroit, Michigan. He signed with the Pirates and made his way up through their minor league system, working primarily as a starting pitcher, advancing through the minors. Although in 93 in AAA, he did begin to see some work out of the bullpen, uh, which is really where he would make his bones as a major leaguer. He would make the Pirates roster on opening day of 1984, and he would be a, a reliever long man for the Pirates. He did make 14 starts over two seasons with the Pirates, although he appeared in 68 games, so again, primarily working out of the pen before uh, being released by the Pirates after the 95 season. He eventually latched on with the Tampa Bay Rays, or the Tampa Bay Devil Rays organization, actually pitching in their minor leagues in 1997 before debuting with the franchise in the franchise's debut season in 1998. He started in 98 with the Durham Bulls and AAA, but he came up to the fledgling franchise at age 29 on May 31st, 1998, and became a pretty much stalwart in their bullpen um, from 98 to 2000 until he was traded to your New York Mets. Well, he did make four spot starts with the Rays, three in 98 and one in 99. He really appeared a ton out of the bullpen for them, 38, uh, 35 times uh, minus those three starts in 98, 63 times in 99, and 44 times in 2000 before being traded to the Mets. And he really made his mark as a kind of rubber-armed reliever, a uh, bit of a maybe segue, you know, between the... Uh, the era we're in now with so much reliever specialization and relievers only pitching one inning and, you know, back back in the 80s when starters almost always went the whole game, uh, White was, you know, never really your st- closer or your eighth inning setup guy, but, you know, that piece that went two or three innings and his 63 innings with Tampa, his 63 games in 1999, he went 108 innings in his 44 games with Tampa. He pitched 71 innings in 2000 before the trade. So it was really that flexibility, I think, that gave him whatever value he had at that time. Uh, he was rubber-armed and, frankly, a bit barrel-shaped uh, of, of a fellow. He featured a 90-92 mile-per-hour sinking fastball, and he really did his... It was at his best when he kept the ball on the ground. He also threw a slider, a curve, and a forkball, which pretty much functioned as his changeup. He was never a strikeout-type pitcher. He averaged 5.68 strikeouts per nine innings over his career. And with the Rays still a, you know, fledgling uh, expansion franchise and trying to build from the ground up as opposed to the Diamondbacks, who they came in with and spent a ton of money, uh, the Rays, you know, obviously they've never spent a ton of money. Uh, so uh, when it came down to the 2000, uh, getting closer to the 2000 trade deadline, the 2000 Mets were seemingly headed for the playoffs as either the wild card or the division winner. Uh, they were neck and neck with the Braves down the stretch, and it wasn't a 
an incredibly intense race for the wild card. Uh, no other team in the National League actually finished within six games of the Mets for that wild card. And of course, it was the one wild card era where, you know, unfortunately, winning the division was not heavily prioritized. Although, goddamn, I wanted to beat the Braves and win the division, which uh, we did not do. But it didn't really matter as as we were the ones who made it through the National League playoffs that year. But at any rate, uh, the trade deadline for the Mets that year was really about bolstering for the likely playoff appearance. And the 2000 Mets had a bullpen, quote unquote, fronted by Armando Benitez, who was always a bit, uh, even though the numbers were always there, just always stressful to watch. Uh, an aging John Franco, uh, an effective but often overused Turk Wendell, and a fading Dennis Cook. Uh, you know, Wendell and Cook were so amazing in 99, but I feel like 2000, their use was starting to show a bit. Uh, even though, you know, Bobby V, of course, is a great manager and really, I think, generally deployed his bullpen very well uh, when he was at the helm of the Mets. But at any rate, Steve Phillips brought in at the uh, a few days before the trade deadline, July 28th, Rick White as a useful bullpen depth arm, as well as an outfield depth piece and noted Andy Pettit killer, Bubba Trammell. Uh, so White and Trammell came over from the Rays to supplement the Mets bench and bullpen core for a pair of uh, unfortunately wasted first round picks, uh, wasted in different ways. And Paul Wilson, a former top overall pick who had just suffered through a plethora of arm injuries for the Mets, and Jason Tyner, just a odd slap hitting Brett Butler type even at the time, it seemed like that was going out of vogue. Why did they draft him in the first round kind of pick? But uh, so White and Bubba Trammell came over to the Mets for prospects or minor leaguers. Uh, Wilson had already spent a lot of time in the majors. Uh, Jason Tyner and Paul Wilson as the Mets geared up for the 2000 playoffs. In researching this, I also found out that actually earlier in the 2000 season, the Mets tagged Rick White with a loss in an interleague game against the Rays when Todd Zeal hit a three-run homer off of him in the sixth inning, giving the Mets a lead at Shea that they would not relinquish, but obviously that uh, didn't discourage them from bringing him on to the squad. White would actually record a save in his third game as a New York Met, one of 16 saves he recorded in his career, and three, one of three that he recorded as a New York Met, and it was in uh, vintage, or you know, the best of Rick White fashion, which is that he pitched the last three innings of a 6-2 Met lead. You know, came into the game when it was 4-2 in the top of the seventh. The Mets extended the lead, and he just closed out the game, pitched three scoreless innings in relief of Bobby Jones for a victory over the Diamondbacks, uh, showing that multi-inning versatility that, spoiler alert, would come in very handy for the Mets in the NLDS.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, White pitched pretty decently down the stretch for the team. He made 22 appearances, pitched 28 and a third innings to the tune of a 3.81 ERA, 12 walks, 20 strikeouts, so... You know, he did put up a 1.341 whip, which is actually a little low for him. A uh, little, you know, he's having a really good year with Tampa when he was traded uh, 1.164 whip. But those are incredibly low numbers for him based on his career, uh, probably catching him at his peak, uh, so to speak. But it basically earned him a place on the postseason roster, uh, kind of behind those other pitchers I mentioned in the pecking order behind Benitez, Franco, Wendell, Cook. And, you know, in thinking about it, you probably wouldn't see a Rick White pitch many innings at all in the postseason these days, or at least not on the current Mets. Um, You'd probably see a starting pitcher sop up a lot of those innings. At least that was my dream if the Mets snuck into the playoffs this year. All I heard was, oh, not going to go too far with only two relievers, Lugo and Wilson. And I was like, no, in the playoffs, the bullpen will be Lugo, Wilson, Wheeler, Syndergaard, DeGrom, Stroman. It would have been, right? I mean, at least that's what a smart manager would do. So maybe that isn't what we would have done in the playoffs. Uh, Hopefully we hire one of those smart managers one of these days. But I digress. White was behind all those relievers in the pecking order, and but he would still... You know, you still went through your bullpen, I think, much deeper and more quickly in the playoffs those days. And you're especially going to go through your bullpen when a game goes 13 innings. White made a brief appearance in game one of the NLCS against NLDS, pardon me, against the Giants, allowing the unbelievable four hits in two thirds of an inning, but allowing no runs. The Mets were already down 5 1. Uh, White allowed a single to Jeff Kent before getting Ellis Burks to ground out to end the seventh inning, and then allowed three singles in the top of the eighth, but Glendon Rush came on to strike out two batters and leave the bases loaded, leaving White with the clean two-thirds of it, clean (laughs) by run scored two-thirds of an inning. Uh, in a, again, the Mets lost that opener 5-1 to one after winning an incredibly dramatic Game 2 in San Francisco where the team surrendered a three-run homer, I believe it was a three-run homer, in the ninth by J.T. Snow off of Armando Benitez to close the game. The Mets uh, took the lead 5-4 four, 
in the top of the 10th on a Jay Payton single. Um, John Franco came on to, I believe he struck out Bonds to end the game on what was probably not a strike, uh, a called strike three, but we will take it. And the series headed back to Big Shea, tied at one for a crucial game three. And that game three would go and go and go for 13 innings. So, yes, Rick Reed started for the Mets. Russ Ortiz started for the Giants. The Giants led 2-1 to one going into the eighth inning, but the Mets tied the game on a two-out Edgardo Alfonso double off of a Giants closer Rob Nen, because Edgardo Alfonso was fucking awesome. And the game would remain knotted through incredibly tense extra innings. Both teams used six pitchers, pretty much emptying out their bullpen. So, again, as I suggested up front, uh, after Rick Reed, who would give up two runs through six, six innings, the Mets went to Cook, Wendell, Franco, and then got two scoreless out of Armando Benitez, bringing us through 11 innings. So to start the 12th, on came Rick White. And Rick White danced through two dramatic innings. Wouldn't you know, the first batter he had to face in the top of the 12th was Barry Bonds, followed by Jeff Kent. And if you remember those early 2000s Giants, I mean, you know, they had some, obviously a lot of depth pieces. You, you know, you don't make the playoffs and win 98 games without, but that was really what you are worried about was Barry Bonds and Jeff Kent. And those are the first two batters that Rick White had to face and he did walk Bonds to lead off the top of the 12th, but struck out Jeff Kent looking, struck out Ellis Burke swinging, pitched around trouble. The Mets couldn't score against the Giants' sixth reliever, Aaron Fultz, in the bottom of the 12th. So out came Rick White again, and oh god, I was so nervous. All I could think of was don't let Bonds come up again against this man. But with two outs and one on, Bill Mueller blooped a single to left, bringing Barry Bonds up to the plate in a tie game in extra innings. And Rick White induced a pop-out to the second baseman to retire Barry Bonds and keep the game tied one more time to go into the bottom of the 13th when Robin Ventura let off the inning with a ground out, setting the stage for Benny Agbayani to the ball into the Shea Stadium bleachers in left center and set off a delightful post-game celebration. Much as I remember sitting on my couch for five and a half hours watching every pitch of this game, uh, I always, I really lived this game through my friend Rob Ward, or as I always like to say, friend of the podcast, no friend of mine, who, uh, I, I remember the game started at four o'clock, so Obviously, it ran on to like 9, 10 o'clock at night. I know Rob had tickets to go see The Who that night and you know went to the city early to watch the game in a bar thinking, game starting at 4 o'clock. I'll get to, you know, the game will be over in plenty of time to go to the concert. Watched, sat in a bar for like four hours, moved over to Madison Square Garden where I think he sat, you know, whatever concession stand had the game on the tv while people were filtering in to watch the opening act i believe the wallflowers so definitely missable and rob said that benny agbayani basically you know he, he said i'm giving this one more inning the who it's like 9 9 30 they're the band's going to come out soon i paid a lot of money i guess i'm gonna have to go out there and watch it 
and then Benny Agbayani hit the ball into the bleachers. He celebrated, walked out to his seat. The Who came out, took the stage as if they had been waiting for the Mets to win. And I just loved that story. And it wouldn't have been possible without this line from Rick White. Two innings pitched, two hits, two walks, four strikeouts, but no earned runs. And setting the stage for one of the most dramatic wins in Met playoff history. The Mets would, of course, close out the Giants the next day on Bobby Jones's miraculous one-hitter. He's another man I had no faith in. Every time he came, every time Bonds and Kent came to the plate against him, I, you know, had to flinch and close my eyes. But he just had the game of his life that day. And the Cardinals took care of our nemeses, the Braves, allowing us to stomp over them in five games in the NLCS. White appeared in only one game in that series, giving up three runs and three innings, the only net loss of the series in game three. And he also appeared in one game in the World Series, but I don't remember that World Series. Don't discuss it. So anyway, White also spent the entire 2001 season with the Mets, putting up a 3.88 ERA over 55 games, giving the Mets 69 and two-thirds more solid innings out of the bullpen. It'll be the last year he spent with the Mets, and the trade with the Mets was the only time in his career that White was a tradable commodity. Uh, the rest of his career, which extended through the 2007 season, and yeah, I consider myself a pretty pretty big baseball fan, of course, but sometimes when I'm researching these unformidable things, I'm like, wow, I, you do block out people once they leave the Mets. I can't believe he played baseball until 2007. Uh, he latched on as a free agent in order with Colorado Rockies, St. Louis Cardinals, Chicago White Sox, Houston Astros, second stint in Pittsburgh, Cleveland Indians, Cincinnati Reds, second stint in Houston, and closed out his career in 2007 with the Seattle Mariners. Um, White did see postseason action again in St. Louis in 2002. He signed there late in the season after getting waived by the Rockies. And wouldn't you know, the cardinal devil magic seemed to kick in. As waived in Colorado, he went 3-1 with a 0.82 ERA over 22 innings down the stretch. Uh, but his one postseason appearance after that uh, was a loss in Game 4 of the 2002 NLCS for the Cards, where he surrendered a big 8th inning home run to Benito Santiago to snap a 2-2 tie. Uh, the win would allow the Giants to take a 3-1 lead, and they would close out the Cardinals that night. The next night, on the way to the uh, World Series, they would lose to the Angels. Since he retired from baseball after that 2007 season, White spent several seasons as a pitching coach for Wittenberg University in NCAA Division Three, and he is currently in the Prospect League, which I believe is a post-collegiate league. Uh, the manager for the normal, uh, normal Illinois, the town, the normal corn belters. I really wanted to say corn ballers there, and I will always think of them. I think as soon as I finish this podcast, as the normal corn ballers. But that is the normal, normal corn belters, uh, where he is their manager. Uh, he, before that, he was with another prospect league team. Uh, the Champion City Kings as pitching coach, manager, and general manager. Uh, man of many hats, that Rick White, apparently. 
For his career, Rick White pitched 858 and two-third innings across 12 major league seasons. He had a 42 and 54 record with a 4.45 ERA and recorded 16 saves, which was good for a 2.4 B war for baseball reference for his career. For the Mets, White was 6 and 8 with three saves, a 3.98 ERA. He gave the Mets 98 regular season innings, two incredibly memorable postseason innings, and a few other postseason innings. And he recorded a 0.1 B war. Uh, while a Met, uh, he did th- pitch to a slightly above average 111 ERA plus. And to give you an idea of the kind of pitcher he was, you know, he, I look, his baseball reference similarity scores were a lot of those you know, just career relief pitchers, uh, Matt Albers, Matt Belisle, a bunch of other Matts. No, those are actually the only two Matts on the list. But also, wouldn't you know it, just to just to bring me down a tiny bit, Aaron Heilman, also one of Rick White's similar uh, pitchers, according to baseball reference. Although I think I've noted in the past, I don't quite hold Aaron Heilman in as much blame as others might for... Uh, that home run that we shall not discuss. At any rate, we're discussing a much happier postseason home run in this unformidable, and that is Benny Agbayani's, which was set up by two stellar innings of relief from the unformidable Rick White. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to Unformidable. Please go to AmazonAvenue.com for more Mets-related content. Follow Amazon Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find this and all of our amazing pods wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and leave a review. It really helps us out. Original music by Bunga. I'm on Twitter at WolfRR, and the show is at Unformidable. Let's go Twins and Astros and Rays and other teams that might be playing against certain other teams. But as always, let's go Mets.